0: Pastor Ray Bentley on patience. We're not a very patient culture. Would you agree with that? I have so many times come to my 11th hour where, Lord, you've got now, we've run out of time. Lord, you got to deliver now. It's got to happen now. If it doesn't happen now, it's all over. And guess what I've learned from personal experience? His 11th hour is different from my 11th hour. He has a different clock than I do. Wait upon the Lord. Trust in the Lord. Spread the news. Oh.
1: Jesus is coming Join the song, Sing along. let it ring. Welcome to Maranatha Radio with Pastor Ray Bentley. Maranatha, bringing the message of Christ soon return, the whole gospel to the whole world. In the 1800s, women had to rise before dawn to get started on the cooking, and that process often lasted all day. Today, we have a hard time waiting a few minutes for a baked potato to come out of the microwave. Well, Pastor Ray says we need to learn patience, especially as we walk with God.
0: Let's open our Bibles to the book of James, chapter five. We're gonna look at verses one through nine. James chapter five is gonna talk, it's kind of an exhortation to his generation about the misuse of some of those who were wealthy and the misuse of their money and that they were using it for their own personal gain. I believe that he was not so much focused at this point just on the little, probably, house church, but that this moment James, the half-brother of our Lord Jesus, lifted his eyes to the horizon and was talking prophetically to the entire Jewish nation at that time and uh, you know there's a he's going to talk about our hearts he's going to talk about what we really love do we love God or do we really love money but James is not talking about those who struggle financially he is talking about those who are wealthy and yet who were sinful in their wealth and their riches there are two themes that are developed here number one trouble (laughs) James says, we as a nation of Israel are in trouble. And the forecast for the future is more trouble ahead. The second theme he develops after trouble is, therefore, the response, we need to pray. We, of all people, need to pray. We need to dig deep with God. We need to grab hold of the horns of the altar and call upon the name of the Lord that he will have mercy upon us and upon our children and this generation and return to him. And um, now let me from the beginning, before I begin reading the first three verses, say that James is not saying that to be wealthy is sinful. We have to use money. It's part of the system until we get to heaven. And it's your attitude towards it that is most important. So let me read to you verses one through three. With this context, James now says, come now you rich, weep and howl for your miseries, that are coming upon you. Your riches are corrupted and your garments are moth-eaten. Your gold and silver are corrupted and their corrosion will be a witness against you and will eat your flesh like a fire. You have heaped up treasure in the last days. But the wrong kind of treasure. A treasure, riches that will vanish. For nothing in this material world lasts forever. And he is saying to the Jewish Community, you should be investing in treasures in heaven. But you have not only invested in heaped up earthly treasures, you have loved them and you have given your heart only to them and now it's about all to be taken away. Now James is also warning against what we would call hoarding. In fact, I think that's in the NIV what it actually, the word it uses. He says, don't hoard riches for the last days. The last days meaning judgment is coming. You don't want to stand before God and and offer to him, hey, look at all the, the riches that I have alone. You want to invest in him. But now, look with me in verses four through six. James goes a little bit deeper. He says in verse four, indeed the wages of the laborers who mowed your fields, which you kept back by fraud, cry out. And the cries of the reapers have reached the ears of the Lord of the Sabbath. You have lived on earth in pleasure and luxury. You have fattened your hearts as in a day of slaughter. You have condemned. You have murdered the just. He does not resist you. I don't think he means literally they murdered them, but in essence, they had killed people's opportunity for a livelihood. Now listen, when James wrote this, 2,000 years ago to the Jewish nation under Rome. Here's what is the clincher for me. Less than 10 years after James wrote this letter, less than 10 years, Israel lost everything. They lost their nation. They lost their businesses. They lost their homes. They lost their city. They lost their temple. They lost everything less than 10 years later. No doubt there were those who listened to James. They said, oh man, these prophets are always cranky. Why are they always giving us bad news? Well, sometimes because that wake up call is actually the love of God. It's important to hear not only what God says, but the tone in which he says it. And a lot of people misinterpret what God says. They think he's angry or abusive because in their upbringing or past, they've had human beings that were angry and abusive. No, from Genesis 1-1 to the end of Revelation, the tone with which God speaks is never abusive. He gets all the full range of emotions, from the heights of joy to the depths of sorrow to, yes, anger, but anger is not wrong. It's just an emotion of warning, like, don't let this happen. Listen to me. It's a wake-up call. So it's like danger when you get angry. It's within our system. It's like something is really terribly wrong. It's to wake you up. But they wouldn't listen, they had a deaf ear. No, 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 we want things to be always this way. Well, things are not always gonna be this way. And I believe that here for us, the body of Christ, we have a unique opportunity in this season. And that is to recognize everything that we have is from the Lord, It's given from the Lord. Sometimes we forget. We thought it was ours, but in fact, it's the Lord's. Whatever we have been given is a gift. Do you use that gift for God's glory or do you use it for your own? I love 1 Corinthians 4, verse seven. Let's read this scripture. For who makes you differ from another? And what do you have that you did not receive? Now, if you did indeed receive it, why do you boast as if you had not received it? What's the answer to the question, what do you have that you did not receive? Nothing. Everything I have and everything you have, you received it. From who? From God. As a child of God, that's what we are able to recognize. The world doesn't always understand that. They go, no, I made it. I'm smart. I know how to make money. I did this. What they don't realize is, who made you smart? Who gave you that talent? Where'd you get that ability? And if you don't see past yourself and think it's all about you, and I'm sure you have seen this. You've seen people that have a great personality. They're extremely talented. They're an entertainer. Maybe they're a musician or they've got a gift or an athlete or whatever. And, and it's amazing. And I love when I see someone that is extraordinarily gifted or talented that is humble. Isn't that a blessing to see somebody that does stand out and it's like, wow, So there's almost nobody that can do what you can do. And yet they're humble about it. I love to hear them say, I don't even know exactly how I do it. Yeah, I have a gift and I've worked on it, but I don't even know sometimes how I do it. I just can do it. But to God be the glory. He's given it to me. And then the others that say, well, what do you think? You know, of course, I, that's me. I know how to do it. It's all about me and they're into themselves. And it just doesn't feel right as they lift themselves up in that way. We should be humble about it. And I believe that the Lord is doing something very special right now. There is a, as they describe, a redistribution of of wealth going on. The world is scrambling, still scrambling. The government's around the world and they haven't found the exact final answer yet to try to get us back on track and begin a recovery or whatever. And if we as the children of God just buy into that and try to climb back to where we were, we're going to miss an opportunity. Because here's what I believe. We're in trouble. Forecast, more trouble to come. Answer, we need to go deep with God. We need to hear from God. And may I suggest what the Holy Spirit, and I don't know how to say this, so I'm going to say it, acknowledging I need the Holy Spirit to interpret for me how you hear this. But I believe that in in days to come, more trouble will come. It's bound to happen. It's inevitable to happen. I think that God is shaking up many, many things. But without going into all the whys and wherefores, let me just say that I believe that God is looking right now over the whole earth. Because God has all the resources. And God is looking for, His eyes look to and fro throughout the whole earth for those whose hearts are perfect or turned toward Him. I believe that God, our Father, is so good and so faithful, He's going to bring massive resources to provide and to take care of and to bless and to give to others. But he's looking who can I give this to that I can trust that they won't just hoard it themselves and put their little initials on it and say mine. Well too bad for everybody else but I'm gonna be okay. I need a vessel through which I can give unlimited resources that will flow out to a needy world and they will share it. That's why God looked at Abraham and said I can trust Abraham to be a wealthy man. And the wealth right now that is out there, God is, notice as he dropped the bar, he's taking it, gobs of it away from wicked, selfish men. And God is looking to invest it through men and women who will say, Lord, I take my hands off. I am not the owner. I don't want to stamp my initials and say mine. But I want to say everything that I have. What do I have that I have not received? I want to be a vessel through which you can bless in difficult days and troubled times, be a blessing to my own family, to my own children, and beyond that to my community and to my family in Christ and to my neighbors and to those who are even beyond my neighbors and to my world and to my generation. And if you would be willing this day, through this message of James, to say, Lord, I just wanna acknowledge what's already true, that I own nothing. I I am your steward. I am an overseer of all that you've given to me. And, And I believe that God will surprise many of us and bring gifts and blessings and riches and means and resources that will blow your mind. You go, where did that come from? It's not because you're so cute and smart. It's because you have a good daddy in heaven who loves you and trusts you. And now he can be a blessing to others. Amen? Amen. Now, how many would be willing to be blessed that way? Would you be willing to do that? But you've got to recognize it when it comes in, why God gave it and why God blessed it. This is the time to lay up treasures in heaven.
1: Pastor Ray Bentley will have more of today's study in just a moment. Since Pastor Ray's homecoming to heaven, so many listeners have shared comments on what his teachings on Maranatha Radio have meant to them.
0: We love you, Pastor Ray, and we miss you. What a blessing that we were all able to hear and experience God through His passion for the Word and His ability to simplify and make things humorous and fun. I miss His contagious laugh. He had the best laugh. God please be with His family and friends.
1: At Maranatha Radio, the love and support the Bentley family have received is overwhelming and very much appreciated. If you'd like to express your thoughts and tell us how these messages have impacted your life, would you take just 60 seconds and write an email, send it to ray at raybentley.com or post it on our homepage at raybentley.com. And now more of today's message from Pastor Ray Bentley.
0: What did Jesus mean, lay up treasures in heaven? And did he mean that we should sell everything that we own and then give it to the poor? And there are some who would say, yes, that's what Jesus said to the rich young ruler, and you should do the same or you will not be blessed. I want to suggest to you not necessarily Jesus said this to one young man. He didn't repeat it again and again. He said it to one young man, one rich young ruler. Why? Because covetousness and greed was that young man's besetting sin. Jesus said that specifically to him to expose his heart. He said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Well, you need to love God with all your heart, soul, mind and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. And, and the man said, I've done all of these from my youth. Jesus said, really? All right then take everything you own, rich young ruler, and sell it and come follow me. And he walked away sad because he was very wealthy. Had that man recognized that his riches were the Lord's, he would have said, okay. And he might have heard the Lord say, well then good, you keep it, I'm gonna give it to others through you. What does it mean to lay up treasures in heaven? I believe it means to use everything God has blessed you with, every gift, every talent, every ability, every rich riches, all treasures, as stewards of God's wealth, knowing that everything I have is the Lord's, and everything that I have wants to be an honor to Him. What we do on earth is recorded in heaven. And one day a day of accounting is coming, a day of reckoning is coming, and God keeps the books and he pays out interest. Romans chapter six verse 23 says something very interesting when we think of it in terms financially of what we've talked about today. The wages of sin is death. You actually earn something when you sin, but it's not the wages you were looking for, it's death. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Praise God for his gift through Christ. Well, let's close with verses 7 through 9. James' final practical exhortation, be patient and persevering. He says, therefore, be patient, brothers and sisters, brethren, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, waiting patiently for it until it receives the early and latter rain you also be patient. Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Do not grumble against one another, brethren, lest you be condemned. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. Again, I brought out my Webster's Dictionary and looked up patient. And here is a synopsis of the first four definitions of what it means to be patient. Number one, capable of bearing affliction calmly. Hmm. Hmm. Be patient, brothers and sisters. Secondly, it means understanding. When you have a father who loves you and he says, look, I'm in charge, I'm on the throne, I'm in control, and everything you have has been given by me, it gives you understanding to be able to be patient calmly during affliction. Thirdly, it means to be constant. Boy, there are so many people that... You know, they say, well, this is what, I'm totally into this, and I'm, you know, this is it, this is the answer, and that's all they want to talk about. And then, you know, a month later, uh, you talk to them about it, even though they're not a Christian, but they're into whatever, and uh, they're off to something else. And they're constantly running around and changing and looking. Here, James says to believers, just stay where you are. Remain faithful. Be constant. And fourth, Patient means capable of bearing delay. That's a tough one. We're not a very patient culture. Would you agree with that? And I'm not a very patient person. I have so many times come to my 11th hour where, Lord, you've got now, we've run out of time. Lord, you've got to deliver now. It's got to happen now. If it doesn't happen now, it's all over. And then, the time passes. It gets over the hour. And they go, well, there it goes. There was the time. There was the opportunity. And it didn't happen. And then the Lord goes ahead and delivers. And guess what I've learned from personal experience? His 11th hour is different from my 11th hour. <laughs> he has a different clock than I do. So I can't put time limits on God. You've got you know this much time to work it all out. I've got to just say, Lord, I haven't a clue. There's so many things beyond my control, so many things I don't understand. Wait upon the Lord. Trust in the Lord. The farmer does not give up when his harvest does not come in immediately. Why? Because he understands that what is happening is going on underneath the ground where you can't see it. But he knows by understanding and experience. It is working underneath the ground. So he keeps on working even though the crop cannot be seen at all. James is using a very simple, practical, obvious, everyone can understand analogy that as believers and Christians, we must work hard and exercise patience and faithfulness in our walk with Christ, even though the harvest seems far away. Talks about the early rains and the latter rains. You've got the rains in the fall and then you've got the rains that come later in the spring. And you can get impatient and say, okay, I planted the seeds, the rain came, now grow. And it doesn't grow. Did you know that the second rains, or the latter rains, that the last rains in the spring, ripen the fruit for the perfect harvest? Wait for it. Now, there may be even an analogy here that God, in the beginning of Pentecost, was the initial early rain, and that we may be experiencing that latter rain of God pouring out his spirit as he is through Africa, as he is through Asia, as he is around the world. Be patient for the harvest to come. And then he says the judge is literally at the door. He was saying, James was 2,000 years ago, Jesus is coming, the kingdom is coming, and the judge is at the door. Now question, was James wrong? No, because from God's perspective, his coming has been at the door even these last 2000 years. Let me give you this analogy. When you were a little kid, let's say you're five years old, six years old, seven years old, little boy, little girl, it's October. How far away does Christmas seem? Like stinking forever. It's forever. It's so far away, I can't hardly stand it. What if you are the parent? You are the adult, it's October. It's like Christmas is on top of me. So here we are as human beings down here going, when's Jesus coming, when's Jesus coming, when's Jesus coming? <laughs> Seems like forever. And God in heaven is looking down saying, are you kidding? It's right on top of you. It's right here. I'm at the door. And it'll happen in a moment, in the twinkle of an eye, the last trump. Our lives are but a vapor here today, I was going to say, gone to Maui. That's an old joke. But anyway, (laughs) gone tomorrow. We'll be with the Lord. Let's bow our heads and let's pray. Father, we just come before you and thank you for the hope that we have in Christ. And my prayer, Father, as I, to the best of my ability, sense and, and listening, waiting upon you praying, there's trouble. We are in trouble. Any rational person can look around and see that we are in big trouble. And not only here, but around the world. And the foreseeable future looks like more trouble to come in a variety of different ways. Some that we can anticipate and some we probably can't even see coming. But Lord, we know the answer is to trust in the Lord and be patiently and waiting and enduring and faithful and storing up treasure in heaven. For you are coming and you will come and we will be with you before we know it. And so may we establish our hearts, may we be strengthened, may we encourage one another. And I pray that many, Lord, that that hundreds here, because they transfer ownership of all that they've been blessed with to the Father in heaven, that you will find multitudes that you can entrust with unique gifts, treasures, riches, and resources, because they will be a vessel through which you might flow to meet the needs of a vast multitude. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.
1: Pastor Ray Bentley, closing today's program in prayer. Glad you've joined us for another leg in our journey through the book of James today on Maranatha Radio. Now, today's study is titled, Patience is Perfect. If you missed any part, you can hear a replay on iTunes or at RayBentley.com. That's RayBentley.com. There at the homepage, there's a place to leave a written tribute to Pastor Ray's life and ministry. And by clicking Media, you'll see the words Watch, Radio, and Devo. Three ways to enjoy Pastor Ray's insights via video, audio recording, or daily devotions. In fact, at the very bottom of the page, you can arrange to receive Pastor Ray's daily devotions each day automatically at no charge, and also link to his YouTube and Facebook pages. Why not bookmark it? RayBentley.com. And you'll find Pastor Ray's books, The Cyrus Mandate and As the Days of Noah, both prophetic fiction novels in the Elijah Chronicle series. And raybentley.com is always where you'll find the best deals on Pastor Ray's resources. You can also donate securely right there on the site. Your investments help bring the whole gospel to the whole world. Or our mailing address is Maranatha Radio, 10752 Coastwood Road, San Diego, California, 92127. Next time, join Pastor Ray for more from our studies in the book of James. More from God's Word next time on Maranatha Radio. Maranatha, bringing the message of Christ's soon return, the whole gospel to the whole world.